You are listening to the Tenacious Acorn Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica O'Neill. Today is episode 17. I looked it up. (laughs) Last episode, I couldn't remember where we were, and it was 16, so that makes today 17. Uh, In previous episodes, I'm going to get right into the meat of it today. Um, We're going to talk about fear. I'll just tell you that right now. So in previous episodes and blog posts, I have touched on the concept that change is scary. And usually I've come at it from the perspective of how changes make other people feel, the people around you, uh, your friends, your loved ones who might be giving you static about your new choices and your new habits and about how in their minds your new healthy lifestyle is somehow a critique on their choices, which of course it isn't, but that's how a lot of folks take it when friends and loved ones make a big change. And you can go back on the blog and read my thoughts on that and some strategies on how to deal with it if that's something that's happening to you in your life. But today I want to talk about how our fear surrounding change affects us and can actually keep us from making the changes that we need to make. And trust me, I know a lot about this. So, you know, as you probably already know, unless you just randomly stumbled on this one particular podcast, and if you did, welcome, I'm glad to have you here. But you probably know already that I follow a primal diet. Uh, It's what works for me, and I'm a huge fan of it. And moreover, In addition to Primal, I've been doing for the last 30 days a ketogenic diet, still keeping to Primal principles in my food choices, but ketogenic meaning low-carb, high-fat. And it's working really well for me. Today is day 30, and uh, I'll be putting up a a final recap on my 30 days of it uh, this coming Monday, July 4th. But back to fear. I haven't always been primal. And in fact, I thought paleo, which is sort of primal, sort of an offshoot of paleo. When I first heard about paleo, I thought that was the biggest load of BS I had ever heard of. Um, I wasn't even really a big fan of South Beach when I first heard of it because of the elimination of carbohydrates and restriction of grains in it. Because, you see, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s when fat was the enemy and grains, particularly whole grains, were the savior. They were the cure for every health condition. And I knew a lot about health conditions. See, when I was 11, and I'll apologize if I get a little choked up while I tell this story. Hopefully I won't, but... When I was 11, my dad had a stroke. He was all of 37 years old, which is really young to have a stroke. And before you even ask yourself in your head, no, he didn't smoke. He wasn't overweight. He wasn't out of shape. He was athletic and strong and wasn't a drinker particularly. You know, he was everything you're supposed to be to be healthy, but he had a stroke. And there was no real reason that they could find except that he had heart disease in his family. His father had had a stroke uh, in his 
early 50s and his mother had high blood pressure and, you know, there was a history of heart disease in the family. And so the doctors were like, oh, yeah, well, that's what happens. And they prescribed the DASH diet, which was a super low fat diet with hardly any animal products in it, very low sodium and the whole family, you know, my mother did the cooking, and so we all ate this diet. And, of course, now, as we learn more and more and more about how, what affects heart disease and things like that, now we know it's inflammation. It's not animal products. It's not saturated fat. It's not fat in general. It's actually the opposite of that. But we all ate this diet. I grew up eating this diet. My sister and I both did. Um And we didn't, you know, we didn't know at the time that his type of heart disease was neither caused by nor cured by diet, Uh, not that this diet would have cured it. Uh, But that's how we grew up eating. And of course, in the 70s and the 80s, fat was the enemy. Everything was low fat, no fat. You know, we all remember Snackwell cookies and all that kind of stuff with reduced fat and, and, you know, this was going to cure all of America from its epidemic of heart disease and cancer and all that. Well, we ate that diet for six years, and my father died anyway. But by then, I was terrified of getting sick myself because, you know, that's the side of the family that I take after. And I was also terrified of getting fat. So teenage girl in America, right? So I kept eating a super low fat diet. And then I became a vegetarian, which, you know, I never really liked meat much growing up anyway. And then after six or seven years of my only meat intake basically being baked chicken breast, um, I was just really over the whole concept of meat. So I became a vegetarian. And Then I became a vegan, and then that didn't work out so well for me, so I went back to being an ovo-lacto-vegetarian, except I wouldn't eat egg yolks anymore because I was terrified of the fat and and cholesterol in the egg yolks, and I would only use olive oil if I used any fat at all because we all knew that butter was bad and fat was bad, and you know, you, you get the picture. So then around 2012... I started to feel pretty lousy. And at this point, I'd been a vegetarian for over 20 years. And it it had worked pretty well for me overall, except for when I was vegan. Um, I generally felt pretty good. Um, But I started to feel kind of lousy. And I realized that I was craving meat. I mean, when I say craving, I mean craving. I was having dreams about eating meat. And this absolutely terrified me. I was like, what is going on? Why am I dreaming about eating meat? This is not right. There's something wrong with me. And, you know, at the time I had just graduated from university. I didn't have access to a health center anymore. So I couldn't go and have blood work done and see if I was anemic or anything else. But I I really believe that our bodies tell us in many, many ways what we need. And I feel like at that time, dreaming about eating meat, constantly craving meat, I was probably anemic or borderline anemic. 
And I was also starting to lose muscle mass. I had noticed that. So I was working out a lot in the gym and, you know, I, my body fat wasn't particularly high for, you know, for a woman. Um, but I noticed that I wasn't as strong as I had remembered myself being. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm moving up in age and you lose muscle mass, blah, blah, blah. But for whatever reason, it still terrified me to think about eating meat. And part of that was I was worried about what if I got sick from eating it because I hadn't eaten it in so long? What if it, you know, affected my health negatively? And what if I got fat? I was really terrified of gaining weight and getting fat at that time. And I was also really, really worried about heart disease. I was like, what if my arteries get all clogged up like a bad sewer pipe, right? Because, I mean, we all remember the pictures of clogged up arteries from health class and them, you know, basically telling us that our arteries would get clogged with butter if we ate butter. And I was really, really scared of all this. I mean, I had a little girl, uh, you know, well, she was on the verge of being a teenager then. And, you know, I was like, well, I can't die from heart disease. I was dealing with high blood pressure that I was controlling with medication. Um, but, you know, I was still having all these meat cravings and really scared to do anything about them. And it wasn't just the health aspect of it. It was also, you know, this was who I was. I had been a vegetarian for pretty much my entire adult life. And if I wasn't going to be a vegetarian, then who was I, right? And, you know, that's that there was a lot of fear surrounding that. But finally, one day I decided that I had to, I had to try something different because I really wasn't feeling well at all. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was tired all the time. What I was doing was obviously not working. So I snuck out and I had a burger and I kept it a secret <laughs> because like I said, my whole identity was around being a vegetarian. I was the vegetarian personal chef. I was a vegetarian world traveler. I was a vegetarian everything. I, you know, that was, if you asked me, oh, who are you or what are you? I would have said I'm a vegetarian first. And then I would have filled in the blanks with other things later. So if I wasn't a vegetarian anymore, then, you know, what was I? And all those years that I had spent talking about how a vegetarian diet was going to help the planet and how it was the best way to health and vitality and, you know, and this is really great and everybody should do it. You know, how could I, how could I eat meat? How could I tell people that I had eaten meat? And so I was really scared about all of that. And I know that this all sounds completely nuts and it's, absolutely weird to be so scared about a thing like changing how you eat, except it isn't, right? Because if you're struggling with this, then you know what I'm talking about. Making a change like that brings up a whole raft of emotions and thoughts about how you've been living, how you want to live, what you value, who you are, what you love, what's important, all of it, right? And that's that's huge. That is absolutely huge. I, you cannot downplay that. So what I'm trying to say with this whole story about me deciding to eat a burger is that it's completely normal and natural to have all those fears 
surrounding making lifestyle changes. But the thing of it is, you can do it really slowly. Like I had that one burger. You can do it at your own pace and you don't even have to tell anybody. It can be your special secret. It can just be between, you know, you and your journal, you and your cat, you and your dog, whatever, unless and until you decide that you want to share it. And I kept my once a week burger habit a pretty big secret for a year. I was a vegetarian for six days a week, but on Sundays, I would meet up with my sister under the guise of having, you know, special sister time, special day out with my sister, and we would go to a local brew pub where they had half-priced burgers on Sundays, and we would get a burger and a pint, and we didn't tell anybody, particularly not my daughter, because I was very ashamed of eating meat at that point. And then after about a year, I decided that I was being dishonest about who I was, and honesty is really important to me. So I decided to go public, so to speak, to come out of my closet being a meat eater. And when I did that, I realized that for the most part, nobody really cared. Some people gave me a little bit of grief. Some people were surprised. Some people, you know, wanted to know what what made me start eating meat again. And I talked a little bit about, you know, how I hadn't been feeling well and things like that. And some people were a little judgmental about it. But by then, you know, I had sort of processed the whole thing and worked through that in my head. But the the cool thing was for me that really the majority of people didn't really care But I had conquered that fear of starting to eat meat again. And then I had conquered the fear of going public about it. And the other big thing I realized was that how I eat didn't have to be a permanent commitment. You know, it's like you get this idea in your head that if you make a decision to make a change you can never change it again. And that's just not true. You know, I see people do this with jobs a lot. If they're really struggling with, you know, I I got offered a job doing X, but what I really want to do is X plus one. I'm like, okay, have you been offered a job doing X plus one? Or do you have the means to wait until you get that offer? Because if you don't, you can go ahead and take X. You can take offer X. And when you get that better offer, you can change it. You know, you're not married to a job. You're not married to a way of eating. And even if you were, if you had a really good reason, you could go ahead and get divorced from that, right? People do it all the time. So realizing that a choice is a choice can take a lot of the fear out. You know, you're not joining a religious order. You're not joining a cult and you're going to be beaten with sticks if you try to leave and be completely shunned and nobody will ever talk to you ever again. And I think that when we're contemplating making these big changes or even some small changes, it's really, really important to remember that. It doesn't have to be permanent. You can do something for a while And if it isn't having the effect you want, you can stop it. You can alter it. You can 
change the change that you're making. So, you know, the conventional wisdom is that it takes 28 days to make a change or to form a habit or to break a bad habit. So I think my recommendation is always, if you're thinking about making a change, go ahead and commit to it for 28 days. And maybe don't even tell anybody that you're doing it. I mean, if you're somebody who has some really supportive people in your life that no matter what you tell them you're going to do, they're right there cheerleading for you, then go ahead and tell them. But if you're like a lot of us and change might be met with resistance or criticism, it's okay to go ahead and keep that commitment just to you. Just keep that inside for the 28 days and do it and then see how you feel. And if, you know, you can track your data. That's what I've been doing with keto. I've been tracking my daily food intake so I can get my macros. I weigh myself once a week. My scale also measures my body fat. I'm also keeping a little journal with it, all of that, because I like, I like to look back and see that because I tend to look back on things with rose-colored glasses, and I want to have actual hard data. And FYI, you know, it was a little rough in the beginning, but it's it's going pretty good right now, so I'm going to be sticking with it through the rest of July. But, you know, if you're somebody who likes data like I do, go ahead and, and track all that for the 28 days and then see how you feel. Look back, like, you know, say, oh, I, you know, I made this change to my diet and these are the results that I've seen. This is how I feel physically and mentally. This is any physical changes that I've noted. Was this worth it? Yes or no. We call those, we call those N equals one experiments. Um, you know, just knowing that, that 28 days, I mean, that's not even a full month on the calendar unless you pick February to make your change. You know, you can do that. That's four weeks, big deal, right? You can do anything for four weeks. It goes by in a snap. You know, it's going to be over before you even realize it. But knowing that you can do that can go ahead and ratchet down that fear level. The other thing is it's it's okay to go ahead and be scared and do something anyway. You know, knowing that it's your choice. Nobody's forcing you to do this and that you can choose to change it as many times as you want helps a lot. So once you digest that, then you can realize that you're in control of it and you can go ahead and take that final, what I call the leap of faith that you have to do (laughs) to make any change and try it out. So for any of those of you out there who are listening, who've been experiencing fear around making positive changes, hopefully this helped. Hopefully this helped you to know that you're not the only one who gets nervous and scared making positive change, making any kind of changes, making changes scary. You know, I'm right there with you. I totally know how you feel. I've been there. I'm still there in a lot of ways. I mean, for me to go from eating almost zero fat for most of my adult life to now I'm eating, you know, 70 grams of fat or more 
a day. I'm not going to lie. I was absolutely terrified to do that. But if I can do that, then you can probably make some changes in your life. You're not alone. Everybody feels this way. And if it doesn't work for you, you can change it back or you can change it to something else. It doesn't have to be permanent. We talk about consistency and small steps, but we also talk about altering our route to get where we want to go if the path that we initially thought was going to get us there isn't working. And that's what this whole thing is about. So hopefully this was a little bit helpful for at least a few of you. I appreciate you listening to all that today. And if you feel like this would be helpful for somebody you know who's having a hard time dealing with fear around making changes, then you can go ahead and share it with them. And if you like what you heard, you can, all, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or Overcast, and that way you won't miss an episode. You don't even have to worry about you know, checking to see if a new episode is out. It'll just automatically grab it for you. And if you want to, I would love it. If you would leave a review on iTunes, uh, feedback helps me continue to improve and refine this podcast. So I'm offering you what you want to hear about, not just what I think I want to talk about or what I think you might want to hear about. So feedback is always great. It really helps me give you what's going to be helpful for you. And you can learn more about me and my coaching services on my website, tenaciousacorn.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you're interested in seeing what I eat and seeing what I'm up to on a daily basis and, you know, seeing what I'm thinking about that day. Um, I love hearing from all of you. You can direct message me. You can email me through the website. You know, contact is good. (laughs) So, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to, to me today, and I hope you have a great day. I hope you make some positive changes. I hope you let go of or jump over any fear that you might be having. And until next time, take care of yourself. Ciao.